The debate ends abruptly on the other side when one leaves this life. Surely, you must know that there is another side, an eternal side. There are no atheists, agnostics, evolutionists, or unbelievers of any sort on the other side. Satan is a believer. All the devils are believers, too, as is Charles Darwin. No, Satan is certainly not an atheist. James 2.19, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. The difference between faith in Christ and faith in the devil is demonstrated in works. In terms of salvation, theologians have been debating faith versus works for a long time. One side quotes Ephesians 2, 8, 9, which of course is true. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. When one repents of his sins, believing upon Christ and his shed blood for forgiveness, and confessing Christ with his open confession, that person is saved, he or she is born again. Romans ten eight through 10, but what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That is how salvation works. This is where the journey on the highway to holiness begins. Now, I must note here that Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 has a companion verse, Ephesians 2, 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. It can be safely said, you are not saved by works, but without works, you are not saved. James chapter 2, 17 through 26. Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest there is one God, that thou doest well, the devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only." Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Cut the foolishness. Without righteous works of faith, one is not saved. First John chapter 1, verse 6, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness... We lie and do not the truth. First John 2, 2 through 4. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. 
Jesus said in Matthew 12, verse 33, for the tree is known by his fruit. One is certainly not saved by works, but without works, one is certainly not saved. What are the works of righteousness? A short list would include believing upon the Lord Jesus Christ and turning away from sin, witnessing to others of the glorious Savior, seeking God's face through Christ Jesus, studying God's word, praying and fasting, attending and tithing to a full gospel church and congregation, feeding the hungry, supporting widows, orphans, and the like. Dear visitor, have you yet to be born again? Will today be your day to begin the marvelous journey to everlasting life? Surely the decision is in your hands. In just a moment, I will invite you to follow me in a simple prompt, and if you do, Everything, absolutely everything changes today. Today, all your sin and shame will be washed away by Christ's cleansing blood. Today, all of Satan's chains will be broken. Today, your new name, your new birth certificate will be written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Today, you will be born again, born a most literal second time, this time of the Spirit of God, just like Jesus said in John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Here is the prompt I promised. Click on the further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. God said, Zechariah fourteen one through 4, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations, as when he fought in the day of battle, and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west, and there shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north, and half of it toward the south. God said, Revelation 18.10, Standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. Man said, These doomsday prophets make me laugh. There is no end to this world, and certainly no judgment day. Such silliness these Christians believe. Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature 1197. 
that will once again certify the inerrant bona fides of the beautiful book, God's Majority Text Holy Bible. All of these word-centric features are archived here in text and streaming audio for your edification and to be used as ammunition in the battle for the lost sons and daughters of Adam. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for visiting. May God's face shine upon you with light and truth. As the end of days quickly approaches, you should expect to see a rapid increase in the publication of features in the God Said, Man Said, 21 Signs of Doomsday series. Central to all of these features is the New Testament doctrine of eminence. In this two-part series, we will be pulling from various God Said, Man Said features. I cannot exaggerate this point. The end is upon us. Since the beginning of the church, the saints believed that Jesus Christ could return for his church at any moment. This is certainly taught in the New Testament, and this is known as the doctrine of eminence. His return is eminent. We are cautioned not to set dates and times for Christ's return to gather his church unto himself in the clouds, an event commonly known as the rapture, nor for the end of the world as soon follows this event. March 13, excuse me, Mark 13, 32. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. We do not set dates, yet we are commanded to watch specific signs laid out in the Scriptures. How close it is. In last week's feature, 21 Signs of Doomsday, seven U.S. cities targeted, you found the following. We don't know the exact time of Christ's return to end the battle known as the Battle of Armageddon, where the armies of the earth have amassed to wipe the seed of Abraham, the Jewish people, from the face of the earth. At the time of this airing, February 1, 2024, the children of Israel are engaged in a major war with the Ishmaelites that could very easily escalate into this world-ending battle prophesied in Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. While this may not be that battle, it's going to look a lot like this. It's called the Doctrine of Eminence. Earlier, we quoted Dr. Chuck Missler's book, Prophecy 2020. The doctor just recently went on to be with the Lord. The book was written 18 years ago, which will only make the points it makes that much more dramatic, Dr. Missler writes. Having an abundance of hard currency in the 1990s afforded al-Qaeda some unusual opportunities during the collapse of the infrastructure in Russia. Unemployment exceeded 30%, inflation exceeded 2,000%, and crime and corruption escalated. In Moscow, there were 84 murders a day and incessant lines even for basic vegetables. Even the military bordered on anarchy. Ten Russian soldiers died each day from non-combatant causes, including malnutrition and suicides. 110,000 were sheltered in hovels. There were even generals who did not receive paychecks. They were selling anything they could get their hands on to feed their families. In 1993, there were 6,430 reports of stolen weapons from assault rifles to tanks. Nuclear material was poorly controlled, and there were affluent buyers. Bin Laden has been amassing nuclear weapons and materials since he was in Sudan in 1992. 
1996, when he returned to Afghanistan, bin Laden made further purchases from the Chechens, including highly portable nukes that had been manufactured for the KGB. From 1996 to 1999, he made additional purchases from Russian and Ukrainian sources, including international arms dealer Semyon Mogilevich. Mogilevich, on one occasion, provided bin Laden with 15 kilos of highly enriched uranium at the bargain price of $70 million. After Pakistan's successful testing on its atomic bombs beneath the scorched hills of the Balalustan Desert, bin Laden and his al-Qaeda associates began to work closely with scientists and technicians from the AQ Khan Research Facility, including Dr. Sultan Basharuddin Mahmood, former chairman of Pakistan's Atomic Energy Commission, and Dr. Chaudhry Abdul-Majid, Khan's chief engineer, to develop additional weapons, including tactical nukes, which can be fired from recoilless rifles. Since 1998, reports of bin Laden's growing nuclear arsenal have appeared in such leading international news outlets as the BBC, the London Times, the Jerusalem Post, El Watan El Arabia, and El Majala. Al-Qaeda sleeper cells are being slipped into the U.S. among the 4,000 4, per day who cross the poorest Mexican border. Bin Laden is reported to offer 30000 the $50,000 per head to Mara Salvatrucha, M13, and other street gangs who expedite the process. Some in the professional law enforcement community are convinced that al-Qaeda cells already have nuclear devices secreted within the United States. The next terrorist attack on the United States is expected to be a nuclear event, which apparently is scheduled to take place simultaneously at seven cities throughout the country, New York, Washington, Miami, Houston, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, and Chicago. This apparently is codenamed American Hiroshima. The agenda of Islam is a continuing threat to all the people of the book, not just the Jews. When the Majlis, the parliament of Iran, voted to pursue their nuclear programs, 247 of the 290 approved by standing and shouting, death to America, death to Israel. Notice the order. End of quote. Now those are sobering words indeed. The Muslim groups involved in the conflict with Israel have vowed a hellacious attack on the U.S. and its allies. They could surely thrust the U.S. and its allies into the world-ending battle of Armageddon. It appears from my reading of the word that just prior to this event, Jesus returns for the church. This is the doctrine of eminence. It is so very close. It has been 18 years since Dr. Missler penned the words just read. Our poorest borders have worsened dramatically. Bin Laden may be dead, but the chant of the damned, death to America, death to Israel, has reached a fevered pitch. End of quote. Babylon, the mother of harlots, is recorded in the book of Revelation as a city that controls world commerce, and it is destroyed in one day, even in one hour. Revelation seventeen eighteen. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, 
death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning, standing afar off for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth her merchandise any more. The merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and of pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and all fine wood and all manner vessels of ivory and all manner vessels of most precious wood and of brass and iron and marble and cinnamon and odors and ointments and frankincense and wine and oil and fine flour and wheat and beasts and sheep and horses and chariots and slaves and souls of men. And the fruits that thy soul lusteth after are departed from thee. And all things which were dainty and goodly are departed from thee, and thou shalt find them no more at all. The merchants of these things which were made rich by her shall stand afar off for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing, and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour so great riches has come to naught, and every shipmaster, and all the company in ships and sailors, and as many as trade by sea, stood afar off and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like unto this great city? And they cast dust on their heads, and cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city, wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness, for in one hour is she made desolate. Much speculation abounds regarding which city is described in Revelation as Babylon, the mother of Harless. One city that stands out as a possible candidate is New York City, where the world's corporations are represented and trade in the stock exchange on Wall Street, and where many of the world's governances hold offices, like the United Nations, for example. Speculation aside, Whatever city is described goes down in one day, in one hour. Have you heard of dirty bombs? The term is used for nuclear bombs made small enough to fit into a suitcase. And then there are nuclear devices shot from recoilless rifle. These inventions make an American Hiroshima very, very visible from here. Seven American cities or more could very easily be destroyed in one day, in one hour, using dirty bombs like these. The physical carnage of human life and property would be a biblical proportion. Fifty, sixty, seventy million Americans could be killed or contaminated and could see homes and businesses abandoned for years. The fallout from these nuclear devices could see areas hit become desolate radioactive wastelands along the lines of Chernobyl. Several of the cities on the terror list are major global shipping centers. U.S. exports and imports would experience serious and drastic difficulties, resulting in the crippling of U.S. and world economies. The cost in blood and treasure would be staggering. Such an event could very certainly mark the beginning of the Battle of Armageddon itself. Think eminent. The Bible prophesies that a third Jewish temple will exist at the end of days. 
No Jewish temple has existed since 70 AD when the temple was destroyed by the Roman general Titus. Jesus speaks of the temple in Matthew 24, 14 through 21. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world, and to this time no, nor ever shall be. Second Thessalonians 2, 3, and 4 speaks of the third temple and the Antichrist, the son of perdition. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Israel's official position is that the Muslim Dome of the Rock sits on the Jewish temple site today, although some debate exists. In Israel, an organization known as the Temple Mount Faithful have been working diligently for decades to prepare for the third Jewish temple. A short list of their accomplishments include the biological discovery at the DNA level that identifies an individual of the tribe of Levi, the Israeli tribe that represents the Jewish priesthood. This is a biological distinction unique to the Levitical order. Variations in the Y chromosome unique to the sons of Aaron can now be ascertained. Biblical training is underway, preparing the new Levite priests for the responsibilities of the new Jewish temple. Priestly robes have been made. The high priest attire has been made. The holy anointing oil has been found. The necessary utensils for the new temple and upcoming animal sacrifices have been made. The massive altar of sacrifice has been constructed. And it was announced several years ago that this altar is ready to perform the sacrifices in the Jewish Passover. Numbers chapter 19, verses 2 and then verses 11 through 13. This is concerning the red heifer. This is the ordinance of the law, which the Lord hath commanded, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they bring thee a red heifer without spot, wherein is no blemish, and upon which never came yoke. He that toucheth the dead body of any man shall be unclean seven days. He shall purify himself with it on the third day, and on the seventh day he shall be clean. But if he purify not himself the third day, then the seventh day he shall not be clean. Whosoever toucheth the dead body of any man that is dead, and purifieth not himself, defileth the tabernacle of the Lord, and that soul shall be cut off from Israel. Because the water of separation was not sprinkled upon him, he shall be unclean, his uncleanness is yet upon him. The temple and the ashes from the red heifer have been absent from Israel for nearly 2,000 years. There are now five red heifers without blemish in Israel, all of which are candidates to fill the requirements in Numbers chapter 19. These heifers are under close scrutiny, and one may be qualified for sacrifice this spring.
It is reported that a functioning temple could be operational in as little as six months. Now, I want you to go find a pen and paper. You're going to be sticking that paper somewhere where you'll see it often like your bathroom mirror. Write this word, imminent. Again, from last week's feature, 21 Signs of Doomsday, seven U.S. cities targeted. Jesus directs his church to learn a parable of the fig tree. Matthew 24, 32 through 34. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know the summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Israel is directly hooked to the fig tree. In Jeremiah chapter 24, 1 through 10, Luke chapter 13, 6 through 9, Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 26. During the days of Christ, Israel did not exist as a self-governing people, but rather as a vassal state of the Roman Empire. In 70 AD, Jerusalem and the temple there were destroyed by the Roman general Titus, and the Jewish people were scattered to the four corners of the earth. From that point forward, Israel would no longer be found on the globe, for it was not. Something very strange and miraculous occurred, however. On May 14, 1948, a nation gone from the earth for nearly 2,000 years was restored once again as a nation by the stroke of a pen. Israel took its place on the map of planet earth just as the word of God so clearly prophesied. The following paragraph is from Dr. Chuck Missler's book, Prophecy 2020. It was a dramatic day on May 14, 1948, when David Ben-Gurion, using Ezekiel as his authority, announced on international radio the name of Israel as the new state and homeland for the Jews. It was a great day for the Jews. And it was a most significant day for biblical scholarship as well. The debate about the literalness of God's promises should have ended. Immediately set upon by their Muslim enemies, Israel shocked the world by the miraculous victories in their war of independence. Vastly outnumbered, they nevertheless established their fledgling state in the midst of impossible conditions. In 1967, they again startled and astonished the world with their miraculous victories in the Six-Day War, and again in 1973 in the Yom Kippur War. The saga of the Israeli Defense Forces has become a modern legend, and yet the worst is still to come. End of quote. Surely Israel, the fig tree, has budded, and a generation that sees this shall not pass until all is fulfilled, and that will include the end of the world as we know it. Even though we do not know the date or time, it does appear we have been given a type of generational clock. If, in fact, we have learned the parable of the fig tree, then the generation that witnessed it will not pass until all is fulfilled. I was born in 1947, so I am of that generation. We are still here, but the ranks dwindle daily. Now, keep in mind, he doesn't say until the last man standing. Of course, the doctrine of imminence is soundly in place. Christ can return for his church at any moment. The word is imminent, end of quote. Next week's feature will continue the story and make the connection between an ancient Persian king, Donald Trump, and today's imminent doomsday. 
The global situation will be very dire and dangerous when Christ returns to gather his church unto himself in the clouds, and his return is truly imminent. This feature should cause some alarm, but be of good cheer, saints, for all things work together for our good, especially the darkest of times. Romans 8:28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. The best friend of the candle is extreme darkness. Shine, saints, shine. Alarmed? Concerned for your eternity? Visit further with Jesus right now for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. God said, 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 1 through 4, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. God said, Zechariah chapter 14, 1 through 4, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be, be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations, as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west, and there shall be a very great valley. And half of the mountain shall remove toward the north, and half of it, toward the south. God said, Revelation 18.10, standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. Man said, These doomsday prophets make me laugh. There is no end to this world and certainly no judgment day. Such silliness these Christians believe. Now you have the record.